The Lexham Bible Dictionary, how many have heard of that? <laughs> One guy. <laughs> it says this, grace is used to describe God or Christ in their merciful character or actions toward humankind in the New Testament. Grace is from God. It's amazing if you look at the word, if you, if you do a word study on it, how many times Paul uses it. It's in the New Testament about 80 times, depending on the version you're looking at. Grace is important. Because you and I couldn't get saved without it. Right? This is God extending, you know that picture, was it Mark, Michelangelo? where he's reaching down and he's touching the, the finger of the man. That's what God did, all right? He reached down and he said, hey, I don't want you to stay there forever. I'm going to give you a way out. Take hold. Take hold of my hand. Grace is giving something away that isn't deserved. We don't deserve it. You don't deserve it. I don't deserve it. In God's case, He gives us eternal life through His Son, Jesus Christ. What do we deserve? According to Scripture, what do we deserve? Death. And not anything you necessarily did other than you were born into the family of sin. Your daddy, your great, 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 great was a sinner, and as such, you are too. We can't earn our salvation. One of the scriptures that we often share with us is that, and, and I'm not going here, by the way, I'm just trying to do a little bit of a prelude. Ephesians 2.8, which is the one we always share, God saved you by His grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for it. Nah, 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 nah. It's a gift from God. Everybody say it's a gift. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. You can't earn it. So none of us can boast about it. Verse 10. For we are God's masterpiece. Hallelujah. Adam, you are God's masterpiece. I know you know that. He has created us anew in Christ. What's that mean? You're born again in Christ. So we can do the good things that he planned for us long ago. God has a plan and a purpose for you, a plan not to harm you, but to prosper you. That means to give you full, whole life. And that all begins when you believe, when you become born again. Grace is given to us when we're born again, and then... There is this reciprocal action that is expected from us. That we do good things. Yes. To God be the glory. And my question to you today is, are you doing good with your life? If people analyze you, if they, if they watch you, if they put you, if I can say this, under the magnifying glass, not like you do when you burn the ants, But to see up close who you really are, would that person be doing good things for God? 
your family, your friends, what do they see? Hmm. I was thinking about a character in the Bible that I could use as a jump off, a role model, if you will. And it might be surprising a little bit who I chose, but it was Stephen. Stephen was an amazing man, and, and this guy knew his scriptures, and he knew Jesus. He knew Jesus well, as is attested to if you go to Acts chapter 6. I'm not going to read the whole thing. In fact, I just wanted to begin with verse 8 of chapter 6. I'm going to put it up behind me. Stephen, a man full of God's grace and power. What? What did it take to get to that last part? God's grace. God's grace. You know, we can't conjure up, nor should we try, the miraculous. If we do, it's called what? Witchcraft. We can't conjure up the miraculous, the signs and wonders. However, if we're doing good with our lives and God so chooses these miracles, these signs and wonders will follow those who are full of his grace and his power. And Stephen was just such a man. Realize he was just like you and me. There wasn't any difference between him and us. He and us. He was human. He was a sinner. But by God's grace, he became born again. He became full of the Holy Spirit. And as such, God used him mightily. He went out and he did some things that you and I probably wouldn't be so comfortable doing. And what was that, Pastor Norm, you might ask? He started telling the Jewish leaders that they were full of themselves, that they had missed it, that they were a bunch of sinners. What kind of response do you think that brought? Their anger kept rising and rising. He was speaking the truth, but they didn't like it because they were all that. They were leaders, Jewish leaders, religious leaders. How dare this follower of the way, this Jesus follower, how dare him tell us that our father is none other than Lucifer? Huh? They weren't happy. And then Stephen crossed the line. He looked up. And, and he, he tells them this vision that he's having. How many know a vision is a miracle? All right? So he looks up. He sees this vision of none other than his master, Jesus Christ. And as he's looking up, he starts to speak what he's seeing. I see Jesus seated at the right hand of his father. He crossed the line. The Jews could not take it any longer. Because to them, he was speaking blasphemy. They even said that to Jesus. When Jesus compared himself to the Son of God. 
And what they do next? They drug him out to the outside of the city and they began to stone him. I want to pick it up. I think I want to pick it up. I guess I didn't put that in there. Oh, I must have taken that out. So let me just tell you what happened next. As they were stoning him, by the grace of God and the power of the Holy Spirit, you know what his last words were? Just like Jesus. Father, don't hold this against them. Don't hold this sin against them. Man, I don't know about you, but I want to go out like that. If, I, if I'm going to be persecuted, martyred, I want to go out saying, Lord, don't, don't hold whoever this person is. Don't hold it against them. I hope I have the courage, the strength, the grace to do that. So that's why I chose Stephen as our role model today. Because too often, what do we want to do? We want to slap them up. Huh? Sick them, Jesus? And not in a good way. Not sicking the hounds of heaven on them, but bite them. Like David, King David, Lord, knock the teeth out of their mouths. How many have ever prayed that prayer? Hey, it's in the Bible. You never, you never heard Jesus talk like that. Hallelujah. So how do we live for the Lord? I want to use the acronym for grace. Are you ready for this? G-R-A-C-E. Guess what the first letter starts with? No, I didn't, I didn't ask you what it meant. What's, it, what's the first letter? <laughs> Hello, everybody should get that. G. And I know it would be a good one to put God in there, and he should be number one, so I already expect that you know that. <laughs> All right? I want to go a little deeper. What should we look like? This is how you live a life of grace for the Lord. First, give. We live in a country of selfish people. We live in a church of selfish people. We need to give away what God has given us, you and I. Who was our example? Who's our best example? God Himself. Where do we see that? Woohoo! There it is. You've been reading my notes, haven't you? John 3:16. For God so loved the world, He gave his only son. And if that had not happened, by the way, there would be no grace. There would be no eternal life for you and me. No born again. You and I would be stuck in our sins. And when this service was over today, we'd just go back to whatever without any hope, joy, love, or any other godly attributes. Jesus in Matthew 16, 25 said this, if you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give your life for my sake, you will save it. Give it away. 
and you'll gain it. Keep it, and you'll lose it. Does that make sense? Are you still with me? Are you in agreement that this is what this is saying? Listen, Jesus set aside his title, his glory, his deity to become a man, to become the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He gave us his all so that we might have all. And we are expected to do the same. We are expected to give away and not to be selfish. Now this next verse I want to share, two verses, three verses, whatever it is. One verse. Who put this message together anyway? (laughs) For if you give, Luke 6.38 says, if you give, this is Jesus talking again, for if you give, you will get. By the way, this is the Living Bible. Your gift will return to you in full and overflowing measure, pressed down, shaken together to make room for more and running over. (laughs) Does that sound like God's a giver? But what do you have to do to get? Give. Whatever measure you use to give, large or small, will be used to measure what is given back to you. Now, I want you to see something here. This could be referring to money, and it's often used in that context. However, if you go back a verse, what does it say? Never criticize or condemn, or it will all come back on you. In other words, go easy on others, then they will do the same for you. So what do you think verse 38 was saying? Is it talking about money? Could be. But, and I believe that there is this this, uh, uh, reciprocity thing with God that you can't outgive the Lord. I'm a firm believer. In fact, I've often preached that verse in that context. However, this is saying the way you treat people. If you treat them well, you will be treated well. Some of the other virgins, they they use the word judge. If you judge, if you don't judge, I'm sorry, if you don't judge others, you will not be judged. If you don't condemn, you will not be condemned. What's What's the last one? In the other versions, I I already forgot it. If you forgive, thank you. I don't know who said that. God bless you. Oh, the scholar back there. Melissa's the scholar today. If I had a gold star, I'd give it to you. But I don't, so kudos. If you forgive others. You know, this is huge. How many want to be forgiven? Then forgive. How many have something? Don't raise your hand. How many have something in somebody right now that you could think of quickly that you haven't forgiven? You need to forgive them. Go to that person if you need to, whatever it takes. Go to God, whatever it takes. Do not hold that against anyone. Because you know who it, do you know who it affects? 
Does it affect that person that you haven't forgiven? No. It holds you in bondage because you haven't let it go. And God is saying, you want to be blessed? Then bless others. That's what he's saying to us today. That's what the Holy Spirit is saying to us today. Why is it important that we give away? Because when we do, (laughs) we make more room for God. Now, I do have a little demonstration, and I I don't know if it's going to show up well. Uh, We're going to try it. Sometimes my illustrations don't turn out all that well, so... You, you are rough. I love you anyway. I forgive you, June, you for that sarcastic <laughs> remark. You know what I forgot? For an usher, quickly, to get me a, a bowl, a big bowl that I can... Well, I'm, while they're getting the big bowl, I could have done it right here and you would have really had your attention, but then I would have made a mess. Whoops. I was doing so good. Hey, it's my birthday. <laughs> I pulled a birthday card out. I wasn't even going to tell you. Thanks a lot for sharing that wisdom there, Andrew. Uh, nobody said, how old are you? I said nobody said it. Hey, let me just say I'm older than June. Her birthday's Tuesday. We're not going to tell you how old she is. But I'm older than her, whatever it is. So, this is us. This is the human nature, right? This is me. Before Jesus, after Jesus, it's still me. And you know what? I've already said this. We're selfish. What do you want to do on your birthday? I have never said, I want to go feed the homeless. On my birthday. (laughs) I usually say, I want to go fishing. As soon as church is over, I'm in the boat. Whoever's coming, come. And then I want God to bless me with some big fish. So I can outfish my boys. That's all I ask for. But I don't usually... Say, I want to go do something that's, you know, that's good with my life. I didn't even think about it till just now, to be honest. This is us. So, you and I are full. Full of ourselves. And God says, I want to put some stuff in you. Well, what happens? Boop. Ain't any more room. I'm full now. I'm born again, but now what? What do I have to do? Thank you. Maybe this is a good illustration. Before I can get any more of God, I have to give it away. And he can pour it in. And I give it away. And he pours it in. And what that scripture say? Can you back that up one? For me? 
<laughs> I always catch him when he leaves. 38. Backwards, other way. Oh, you went way back. Luke 6, 38. There it is. Thank you, John. Everybody give John a hand. Woo! What I want to get to is this. Your gift will return to you in full and overflowing measure. So as we pour in, God pours out. You notice anything? Woo! See that? No more self. We look like God. That's how it's supposed to be. Are you with me? Good illustration, Norm, if I think, say so myself. Yeah. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. By the way, if anybody wonders, why is he dressed up today? I did this for my son, Troy, because two weeks ago, he saw me going out to do the chaplain thing, and I, I looked like this, and he goes, why are you dressed up? I said, I'm going out to, do, to work with the state police. He goes, you don't dress up like that for church. Because <laughs> he always wears a shirt and a tie and slacks. and You know what? So I thought today, I'm going to bless him. And so now I'm dressed up. And I don't think he's here today. Maybe he is. I don't know. John the Baptist said this. I must, I must decrease. John 3. I must decrease so that Jesus can increase. Less of me, more of him. That is the way. Capital W. That is the way. There's a new show out, uh, The Mandalorian. That is the way. This is the way. That's what I said. This is the way. Capital W. Less of us, more of him. The more we give away, the more we look like Jesus. What does R stand for? Return. This is something that too many people neglect. They go out and they don't come back. You and I cannot live this life without staying connected. We've got to go back to our source daily. After you've been emptied, return to the Master. Get your fill again and again and again. Never think that you can do it alone. Never think that once is enough. I have heard people say this. I read the Bible once. You're supposed to feast on it. The Word of God, the Logos, Jesus, feast on it. Every time I read it, I get something different out of it. Something new, something amazing, something that feeds my spirit. You can't read his book once. And have that be satisfactory. It isn't enough. It takes a lifetime of feeding on God's Word. 
John 15, 5, and I, I quote this often, but yes, Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. We must go back to the Master on a regular basis. I would like to say daily, but perhaps even hourly. Depends on the situation. If you're in the heat of the moment, man, I'm connecting with Him constantly. There are days when I'm praying in the Spirit, I'm praying in tongues over and over and over and over that day. Because I know I can't do it. I know that the enemy's going to level me if I let him. But I don't let him because I keep going back to Jesus. And when your big brother Jesus is standing right here, trust me, the enemy's going to flee. But you can't do it on your own. Grace requires that we go back. That we return. When we're emptied, God fills us back up. Where did Jesus go when he got tired? He went to the Father. He found a, usually a solitary place where he could get more of his Father. God, I just, want to, I just want to spend some time with you today. Is that okay? Yes, son. Knock and the door will be open. Seek and you will find. Ask and it will be given to you. Actually, in the modern Greek, those words are present tense continual. Keep on knocking. Keep on seeking. Keep on asking. What does that look like? It means that you are plugged in. To be able to do that, you're plugged in. Hallelujah. Everything that Jesus needed came from His Father. And the same is true for you and me. Everything we need comes from the Father. He will empower us with His Spirit through Jesus Christ. He will fill us with His love. He will fill you with His grace if needed. Go to the Lord. Get what you need. I believe this. He's waiting for you. He wants that kind of relationship with his people. A is for action. Too many people have lost this. When you study the Bible, you soon discover that God loves people who are busy. And there are some scriptures, I'm not going to share them today, that actually say, I don't like lazy people. God speaking. Proverbs 14.23, a little more positive. Work brings profit. Mere talk leads to poverty. I think that our culture has lost this. Teach your kids how to work. Teach your kids the value of using what God's given them to make a difference in our culture and in our society. Remember the 72. I talked about this a few weeks back. 
Luke chapter 10. You guys remember? He sent them out. And when they, when they returned, they were just excited. They were like little kids in a candy store. <gasps> Jesus, guess what? The demons even bowed to us. And Jesus said, oh, that's great. That's awesome. Cool. But don't let that be your priority. Just be thankful that what? You're going to heaven. I'm going to talk about that at the end of this message today. But for right now, I just want you to understand that when they did what they did, because Jesus trained them to do it, and then they went out and did it, they took action. In the very next verse, it says, Jesus was full of joy from the Holy Spirit. And I don't believe that's coincidence. I believe it's connected there because the men and women went out, they did what they were challenged to do, and Jesus was going, those are my kids. Those are my disciples. They're doing what I've challenged them to do. How much more for us today? We've been given everything. We all live in nice homes or apartments. We all have those gas-guzzling, maybe electric cars. Our feet don't wear out. We just jump in behind the 400 horsepower. No, not really. But maybe Cooter. Cooter, you, you got a 400 horsepower, but yours is a semi. <laughs> but you don't speed or anything. You just rev it up. Yeah, yeah that's, that's all you do. Yeah. You don't know how fast that goes. You've never. We'll stop there. We are given the tools, everything we need, the resources to bring God glory. But those tools and resources will not use themselves. Right? The church must be action-minded. We ask the Holy Spirit, Lord, help me to make plans to use this life that you've given me. And we're all different. We, we all have something different to do. Just because I'm up here pastoring the Hope Church means nothing to God. As long as I'm doing what He's called me to do, I'm in good shape. But if you're called to reach one, then do it. That's just as important. Because we don't know who that one's going to turn out to be. We must then, once we have a plan, put those plans into action. I want to go back again, Matthew 25, 14 through 30. This is the parable of the talents. How many servants were there? Three. First one was given. Five talents. It, it grew into ten. Good job, though. You're on it. The second one was given? Two. And the last one was given? Who got zero? Everybody got something. So if, if we try to pull this on Jesus, 
on that day that we're standing in heaven, and he looks at us and he goes, what'd you do with yours? Well, I didn't have anything. It isn't going to work. Because you do have something. And it's up to you to figure out what it is, make a plan, and use it to God's glory. And if you do, what are you going to hear? Well done, good and faithful servant. And if you don't, what are you going to hear? Away from me. Throw him into the fire where there is gnashing and weeping, gnashing of teeth and I've got that out of context, but anyway, you know where I'm going. That's what's in store for that lazy servant. Why are you yelling at me? I don't know. It just happens sometimes. Maybe it's because I want you to hear that. Well done. But it can't be well done if you're not using the gift God has given you. Act while the time permits. Find a ministry to spend yourself in. Volunteer at the food pantry. A reading program. You know, our kids need adults, Christian adults, to just bless them and be with them. To be that role model like Stefan was for us. Join the big brothers, big sisters. Do foster care. I mean, I know some of you older folks are probably beyond those years, maybe. Some of you. But man, there's so many kids out there that need help, that need hope. Become an usher, a greeter, a volunteer. Work in the nursery. Why do we do that? Why do we work in the nursery? What's one reason? Besides the fact that we want to really bless and teach our little ones. So that mom, who's been with those kids 24-7, the last six and a half days, can come in here and get away from them for a few minutes and hear from the Lord. And I know you moms will give me an amen. Well, that wasn't very hearty. I know you moms will give me an amen. Amen. Some of you did. Maybe you don't want them in the nursery. I don't know. But that's why we need people in there, in the preschool, in the children's, in the youth. And in those, it's not so that they can get away from the kids as much as it is we need people to love these kids in Jesus' name. They need to see Jesus with skin on. We get kids in here all the time that don't have that model at home. In fact, some, you don't even want to know what what kind of home life they have. And if they can come in here for an hour, hour and a half, and, and hear from the Lord, because somebody loves them, (laughs) it'll make their life different. It would change them. I've seen it. I have seen it. I have seen it. We used The ministries that we ran in Lansing, we brought in the the kids who were from the housing projects. We would have five or six hundred children that we would bus in on a Saturday, and those kids would come in, and their parents were drug addicts. Not all, but some were drug addicts, or they didn't have a mom, or they didn't have a dad, or they lived with grandma because they didn't have a mom or dad who cared. And they came to our service, and we preached Jesus. 
and they heard how God loved them, and the Holy Spirit reached them. They gave their hearts to the Lord. And today, those parents, those kids, this is a long time ago, those kids are now adults, and they are bringing their children to church. Why? Because they heard a message of hope. They saw Jesus in us. And it drew them back. That's what this dark, dark world needs today. They need hope. Hallelujah. So what are you waiting for? There are many places in the church, in the community that need our help. Take action so that you will hear, well done, good and faithful servant. 1 Corinthians, Paul said, So, my dear brothers and sisters, be strong and immovable. Always work enthusiastically for the Lord, for you know that nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. See is for communion. You can uh, pull your little cups out Jesus gave his life for us before going to the cross. I said that wrong. Jesus gave his life for us just before going to the cross. He told his disciples to remember this. Remember what I'm about to do. Remember because it's easy to forget. Does anybody need the elements that snuck past the ushers way over here along this wall, far wall. Remember what? Remember that Jesus gave it all so that we could gain it all. What's held back from us? Anything of good? No. If we truly value this exchange the Lord's life for ours can you picture that say it with me will you they'll, they'll figure it out they'll get there can I have your focus up here the Lord wanted them to see the value in the exchange his life for theirs this is important because I, I think sometimes in the church we, we neglect this and, and we start to think we're all that, that we deserve all that, that, you know what, I'm a Christian. Big whoop. He died for you. That's the only reason you have value. That's the only reason I have value. Because Jesus shed his blood for me. And if we forget that, what happens when we forget that? We take advantage of our grace, of the grace of God. We begin doing things that we shouldn't do. You see, if you really value what he did for you, then your life will show it. When we get together, 
when we take communion together, it's been a while. I believe that there's something about this that it just brings us back. It aligns us again. You've been in the world for, for maybe a month, and it shouldn't be that long. You can do this at home. You know that, right? You, you can do communion at home with your family, yourself, you and God. But what I'm saying here is when we, we get misaligned because we spend too much time in the world. And, and it does. You, you, you walk up. How many came in there today just feeling like, yuck? Why? It's not the church. It's because of what you've come out of. That's why we need to remember what Jesus did for us. He came to bring us life and life in abundance. All through his broken body and shed blood. Hallelujah. If we truly value this exchange, you and I, we will live our lives accordingly. We will treat others with love and mercy, grace and forgiveness. We will minister to the brokenhearted, to the angry. Even the people that are angry with you, you will minister to them with the love of God, the destitute, the crushed, and you'll show them the way to your Heavenly Father through Jesus, His Son. Communion is a reminder of what we've come from, where we came from, how we got here. Communion reminds us that what we have been given came with a price. We didn't earn it. It's a gift from God. Jesus did that for you and me. Hallelujah. I love this. Look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and we will share a meal together as friends. That's how I want you to see this today. You're having a meal with your friend, Jesus. You with me? Take the wafer. First Corinthians 11, the Apostle Paul said, For I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself. On the night he was betrayed, the Lord took some bread, gave thanks to God for it, then he broke it into pieces and said this. He said, This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Go ahead. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink. If you'd like, if you can, would you stand? Is eternal, eternity, eternal. Serving the Lord is not a drudgery, nor is it punishment. Serving the Lord is a privilege, one that re will result 
one day in rich rewards. If we don't give up, if we keep in right relationship with the Lord, then one day and one day soon, I believe sooner than later, we're going to be taken to a place where those who have been faithful are going to be rewarded. It's going to be better than winning the lottery. Trust me, it will. It's going to be even better than becoming or being given the opportunity to become a superhero. (laughs) How many would like to be a superhero? It's going to be better to be in heaven than it is to be a superhero. And that's what's in store for those who love God. The final verse I wanted to share as far as what's in store for us, 1 Corinthians 2, 9 and 10, however as it is written, no eye has seen, would you read it with me? No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed it to us by his spirit. We can rejoice in our eternal life because of what Jesus did for us. Our eyes have been opened. We know what's coming. We're going to be rewarded. If we don't, live selfishly. Give it away. Return to the vine often. Take action. Don't be idle with what God's given you. Make sure you commune with the Lord. And remember what He did for you. And finally, heaven is our reward. It's coming. It's coming. It's coming. If I could have the worship team come back up here, I really do want to sing that last song, or that song, House of the Lord. Assuming that everybody's still here. has bailed on me yet. How many are here today and they'd say, you know what? I'm going to live a life of grace. And I'm talking about the acronym grace. Lift your hands up high if you are. Father, you see the hands, those online. Help us, Lord, to give it away. Help us to make sure we return to you frequently. We can't do this on our own. Lord, help us to take action, not to be idle, not to be lazy. Help us to be in communion with you often. And to remember what you did for us, the, what it cost you, Lord. And finally, remind us that one day soon we're going to be rewarded for this life you've given us. We thank you and we praise you for everything you're doing here today. To you be all the glory and all the praise. I want to go out of here with this song only because it just really resonated in my spirit. And... Uh, I'm just going to say the final benediction prayer now, and then as you feel inclined to leave, you can. Father, thank you again for everything you're doing here in this church. Help us, Lord, to live by grace. G-R-A-C-E. Lord, keep our people safe in their coming and in their going. Strengthen them, show favor upon them, Lord. And we just thank you for what you're doing here. Help us to reach this lost and dying world with the good news of Jesus. Use us, Lord. Today we place ourselves in your hands. In Jesus' name, amen.